0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Listen in as your host, Jimmy Atkinson, invites industry leaders to share their best OZ insights and investment strategies. From market updates to fund launches, policy news, tax mitigation strategies, and more, we cover it all here on the Opportunity Zones podcast.
1: Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm Jimmy Atkinson. How can cost segregation accelerate depreciation and therefore improve after tax returns for an Opportunity Zone deal? Valerie Grundusky joins us today from Detroit and Jeremy Samples joins us from Grand Rapids to discuss this very topic with us today. Valerie and Jeremy are coming to us from Plant Moran, which is an audit, tax, consulting, and wealth management firm with a lot of Opportunity Zone expertise. Valerie is a partner in CPA at the firm, and Jeremy is principal and their cost segregation specialist. Welcome to both of you. Uh, Valerie, great to see you again. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Jeremy.
2: Hello. Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks for uh, coming on, both of you. Uh, Jeremy, it's great to have you on for the first time. And uh, Valerie was actually on this show a little over three years ago now. It's been a while since uh, you last joined me, Valerie. But on that first podcast episode featuring Valerie, we discussed some basics on tax accounting for qualified opportunity funds. I'll be sure to link to that episode in the show notes for today's episode if anybody wants to go back and uh, listen to that episode from August of 2019. But a lot has changed over these past three years. Uh, Some of the benefits of opportunities on investing have since expired. The marketplace is much more mature, and I'm I'm sure your practice at Plant Moran has grown considerably since then with more Opportunity Zone clients, Uh, but today, let's focus on today now, we're talking about cost segregation and specifically what impact a cost segregation study can have on after-tax returns and should all OZ funds be utilizing cost seg studies? Should all real estate investors use cost seg or are there some limitations? We'll, We'll kind of dive into a lot of these topics over the course of our conversation today. Jeremy, I'm gonna turn to you first to start us off really high level
2: what is cost segregation? Yeah, absolutely. So, a cost segregation study is really a tax planning strategy. So, a building, when you own a building, you claim depreciation on your tax return. And most buildings will depreciate either over 27 and a half or 39 years, which is a really kind of low and slow way to depreciate a building. But, a cost opportunity? Seg- what a cost that seg- lets you do is accelerate some depreciation on certain assets in the building. So, if, under the IRS tax rules, uh, you know, there's some positions we can take or certain components, whether it's certain finishes or uh, infrastructure related to equipment or plumbing mechanical systems, uh, they can get a shorter life, whether it be five, seven or 15 years. And some of those may even qualify for what we call bonus depreciation. So what bonus depreciation lets you do is accelerate even further instead of that shorter life, taking the entire amount even with the 100% bonus depreciation that we currently have and claiming that as a deduction on your tax return.
1: Okay, great. So without cost segregation, you're essentially depreciating the the asset over, what? what, what how many years was it that you said? Typically? It's
2: 27 and a half years for residential, 39 years for non-residential.
1: Okay. And then, so that's a long time to depreciate. So within the first, I don't know, 10 or 11 years, that's, that's not a lot of depreciation that Correct. you get to bake into that holding period. If you're able to accelerate that and jam a lot more of that twenty seven and a half or thirty nine year depreciation into those first ten or eleven years that you're holding the q f investment that can that can really save you a lot of money and really juice those after tax returns from what i understand well what about um tell us a little bit more what specifically what goes into a good cost segregation study, what does a good one look like? And then, sure. And then maybe what what are some bad ones that you've seen or or some bad examples?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So so a good cost segregation study is done by a qualified person and uses what we call an engineering approach. So while Valerie's a CPA, my background is not in accounting. i'm I'm more focused in construction in my in my uh, career. So knowing how a building goes together, how it comes apart, the various components of the building, uh applying the tax rules with that allows us to, to break the building down. So uh, a good cost segregation study is done with an engineering approach where we're looking at drawings, we're, we're measuring circuits. We can tell you how many linear feet of piping is in that building, how many square feet of carpet, uh, things like that. So it, it's really a, it's not when I sit in my office and people come in and they see a, a set of drawings up on the screen, sometimes they're confused at what I'm doing at Plant Moran. But um, that's, that's what kind of goes into a cost seg is doing, doing that level of work.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. They might, they might think you're a general contractor or an architect or yeah, <laughs> something uh, like that. I would
2: imagine. There's times they have rolls of drawings that show up, and their people are very confused. No, that's 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 pretty funny.
1: And uh, so you're actually you're actually depreciating several different types of items instead of just the entire building. Sometimes you're actually going down to how many linear feet of carpet you have or yeah. how many feet of wiring you have. That's that's impressive. Uh, Valerie, I want to turn to you. Let's bring opportunity zones into the equation you're the Opportunity Zone expert or one of the Opportunity Zone experts, at least at Plant Moran. Um, What is it about Opportunity Zones in particular that make cost segregation even more impactful than they might otherwise be in a non-OZ deal? Right.
0: So so you've already addressed the fact that in a non-OZ deal, there's two pieces to it. One, you're accelerating those deductions earlier. So there's a time value of money benefit to get to take that depreciation deduction in an earlier year rather than a later year. Um, The other thing we didn't talk about, and I'll just touch on it really briefly, is there's kind of a a little bit of a game you get to play with tax rates too, because those depreciation deductions, you get to use whatever your ordinary tax rate is, which is usually higher than what the recapture rate is on the end. So in addition to accelerating the deduction, there's actually a little bit of a a tax rate arbitrage happening there as well. That's beneficial to the taxpayer, Um, but that, compares in no way, shape or form to how great it can be for Opportunity Zone for exactly the reasons that you highlighted at the top um, of our podcast today, which is that, you know, you still get that benefit of the upfront deduction, but because as we all know, if you hold on to this property for 10, 11 years, whatever it might be to get to that holding period. When you sell it, you get to step up your basis to fair market value. You don't have to recognize you know, the, the recapture on the back end. You never have to reverse that deduction and pay tax on it. So it's essentially a permanent tax savings that doesn't exist in a non-OZ deal.
1: Yeah, I like to call that the fourth hidden benefit of OZ investing for a while. When we had benefit number one was the deferral period, mm-hmm. benefit number two, the reduction period, which has since expired. Right. Benefit number three elimination and then benefit number four hey there's no and I, it was kind of hidden because it right. wasn't one that most people would talk about it was it was a little bit more nuanced but there's no depreciation recapture uh, if if you hold for for 10 years in a day right
0: absolutely yep and so that you know we'll uh, later we can kind of go through a numerical example of what that looks like but it's it's pretty amazing how significant that can be on a deal
1: yeah I'm gonna let you guys share your screen and and, and show us your your deck with with some real world uh, numbers in your example in a, in a few minutes here. I think that'll kind of help paint the picture. But uh, before we get there, Valerie, what about some finer points regarding tax planning considerations? Um, what what other considerations or, or approaches does a real estate investor or an OZ investor need to take with regards to cost segregation study when it comes to tax basis or substantial improvement? Are there any, any, any right. other points you can dive into for us? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, you know, th- the ones that you mentioned on the front end are the ones that I think are, are most important to think about. So I think we all know where most of your listeners or viewers should know that with a qualified opportunity fund, because you deferred your gain to make your investment, you don't have any basis in your investment until the 2026 income recognition event. Um, And so because of that, while what we're talking about today is this ability to front load these deductions, that's all fine and well, but your, your investors, you yourself, might not be able to actually take advantage of those real time if you don't have debt basis to take the deduction. So that's just something to be aware of, right? We, we would never want to kind of sell to someone like, oh, here's this great idea, here's the time value of money and not help them understand that they might not see that today, right? Depending on how your deal is structured, you might not see that until you have that income recognition event in 2026 to reestablish your basis. Um, so that that's just kind of just a level setting. I, you know, We think this is a great opportunity, but I don't want to oversell it for people who would be in that situation. Um, and, and Jeremy can talk later, too, about some of the timing and, and when a cost egg needs to be done. Um, but the other piece of it, too, with substantial improvement, you know, there's there's two ways to look at a cost seg. There's looking at the cost segregation study on the initial purchase of the building. Um, and then there's also looking at the cost segregation from the perspective of the work that you're doing in a substantial improvement scenario. Um, and so, you know, normally when when Jeremy's doing a cost seg. He's coming in when there's been, you know, some work done. There's a rehab, a remodel, whatever. and He would just do one cost seg at the end, right, of a, hey, here's what your finished product looks like. Um, But in the opportunity zone space, there would also be the possibility that it makes sense to take a peek at the front end and say, well, gee, if I use a cost seg and break down this initial purchase into its various pieces more, maybe take a more, um, honest approach to what gets allocated to land or what gets allocated to some of the different asset categories it might make it easier to pass that substantial improvement test by changing right kind of the the threshold for what you have to double your basis in over time and yet then there still would be the additional benefit on the back end of doing a cost egg study to really get that increased depreciation on the improvements that you make and so i do think those are like the two main things i think that we suggest People think about and you know look at compared to their deal instead of just taking the advice as though it would apply to every deal the same, um, and just making sure that you take your own you know facts and circumstances into consideration.
1: Yeah, sure. No, that's <clears throat> that's helpful uh, to to consider those points. I, I, let, let's let's touch on substantial improvement just just for one more moment. For yeah. those who are unaware, can you just explain what the substantial improvement requirement is and and how shifting some of those numbers around may, may aid with that with the cost sure. study.
0: Yeah, sure. So you, when you have a property in an opportunity zone and this, this is whether or not you're, you know, the real estate is your business or if you have an operating business that happens to also hold the real estate. Um, if you have an asset that you've purchased in an opportunity zone that you have not, newly constructed um you do have to meet the substantial improvement test which essentially says okay what was your basis what did you purchase this building for you you get to carve out the land and so that's why I was saying things like doing a different allocation of the land could be helpful to change what that you know that basis is and whatever it is you have to essentially double it you know and and, and you have a kind of a substantial improvement time frame um, in order to get that done it's it's a around two and a half years, give or take, um, a month there on the number. Some of these are goofy. It's 30 months here, 31 months there. Um, but essentially that's what you have to do with the idea being that they didn't just want someone to get to take advantage of buying a building that was already perfectly operational and fully, you know, leased up and in great shape and get this opportunity zone benefit on the back end, they wanted people to come in and and make a difference and an improvement in these zones, right? So that's how they've decided it would have to be measured, either that you're building something new, or that you're taking a pre-existing building and making it better, which they determined meant basically, like I said, doubling those building values.
2: Right. Yeah. So
1: these aren't aren't core or or core plus type of uh, investments. They're more opportunistic because of that substantial improvement requirement. So the idea there being, if you can shift more the value of the asset from building value to land value, is, is there a third or fourth type of value that you can play with there? Or is it well, ma- mainly just shifting from building to land?
0: There are some aggregation rules that you could use that would maybe make some of the other um, categories... I don't want to say irrelevant, but maybe less attractive. But, you know, there's, you know, things with like land improvements or equipment and whatnot that you might, you know, it might be more beneficial to you to have, you know, the the values allocated that way instead of putting everything all in the building. It somewhat depends on what your plan is for improvement in the space in the first place. but.
2: Gotcha. Well, that's, that's, I,
1: I think I get it. <laughs> that's, that's helpful. Uh, you, you mentioned briefly that Jeremy might be able to fill us in on some, some timing issues. So Jeremy, let me turn to you now. Uh, wh- what can you tell us about timing with regards to doing a cost segregation study
2: on an OZ deal? When is the optimal time yeah, to do a cost seg? For sure. So, so the optimal time I would say is the year the building's placed into service. You do the the cost seg at that time period you get your fixed assets created, and that goes on your tax return the first year you file that tax return with a with a completed building. Uh, so that's the ideal timing. Information's fresher; it's easier to get those all of the invoicing, all the drawings, all the information we need to complete the study. That being said, you know if, if somebody had an opportunity an opportunity zone deal from 2020, let's say, and they did not do a cost seg, learning about it now and wanted to do one, we still would have the opportunity to do that on what we call a lookback basis so that would involve filing an IRS form 3115 with the tax return in the current year and it catches up all that depreciation that you could have claimed had you done it the first year so it makes it a very easy process to do it at either the same year or on a look back basis or you know to Valerie's point before if if it, the the tax deductions aren't needed right away you know 2 3 years down the road now you're paying tax and now might be the time then sure we could do the costing at that period at that time and that return as well and take advantage of it then.
1: Excellent. Uh, well, that's helpful. Well, I think the time has come uh, if, if you want to walk us through that example with those real world numbers. And uh, just for our listeners out there, if you're listening to this podcast episode, maybe you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or some other listening app, This this podcast is also available on YouTube. And if you want to actually... Take a look and see what what we're doing here, and the numbers that Jeremy and Valerie are going to walk us through right now. Would highly encourage you to uh, find us on YouTube, and you can you can watch um, the numbers that we're going to show on the screen here. So, uh, Jeremy and Valerie, without further ado, do want you take it away with 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 sharing the screen and uh, and walking us through this real world example of how a uh, cost seg study can perform both for a non OZ and then for an OZ deal.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So here I've got an example of kind of what, what it would look like with and without a cost seg. So in this situation here, we've got a, a $12 million property, a $2 million land basis, and a $10 million depreciable building. So without a cost seg, you'd have one asset for $10 million. You know, again, going back to the 39-year the property, 139th every year, essentially, is what you'd be claiming. In this example on the rehab, and this is for the rehab portion, not the acquisition piece. So you're improving the property, and then you might come up with you know $1.5 million of personal property. In this example, half a million dollars of what we call land improvements, and then $7 million of a category called qualified improvement property, which for those of you who don't know what that is, essentially that is a somewhat recent category, very taxpayer-friendly. It allows you to accelerate uh, property that might otherwise be considered 39 year property and and qualify it for that bonus depreciation which can be huge so in in this example right we've got basically for a a property place and service 2022 or before we're looking at a nine million dollar bonus depreciation eligibility for the tax return with this example so that obviously is is a great thing to have um you know, we've got some kind of assumed tax rates here, obviously, those can vary. Um, But this kind of shows you what it looks like with and without as far as your fixed assets would go. So essentially, you'd have four assets, well, five assets, uh, four for the building, one for the land, instead of just the one building asset, one land asset. So then we kind of go over what, what does it really mean, right? So here we've got a with and without opportunity zone. So if you had an opportunity zone project and you did not do a cost seg you'd have you know that that 2.7 million dollars in depreciation at a 45.8 percent tax rate that benefit would be 1.2 million dollars with the cost seg obviously you'd have that much much higher depreciation number creating a tax benefit of 4.2 million dollars um, so then over here we've got the you know without a, a opportunity zone so cost segs do make sense even without an opportunity zone you know a lot of a lot of work i do is is not necessarily related to an opportunity zone deal. So cost can make sense for all real estate investments, not just in this situation.
0: It, it, and what might be helpful just to point out here, cause I don't know that we explained this on the front end of our example, is what we're looking at here is what happens after 10 years kind of, you know, if we decide, like you would normally in an OZ deal, maybe at 10 years or later, right? That you would kind of step away from the deal, decide it's time to leave or sell. Um, so this is showing, you know, what what is the benefit over that time period in depreciation, right? So in 10 years versus, uh, you know, OZ versus, no OZ cost egg versus no cost seg. Um, so, sorry, I, I don't know, I, I I didn't know if you want to say anything else, Jeremy, if you want me to kind of hop into the- no, actual go, go How that translates, okay. Um, so obviously, Jeremy showed you what the actual depreciation numbers over time would have looked like in each scenario, but then you can see then on that, you know, next line, whether it's OZ or not, um, the tax benefit, right? Again, we had our assumed rates pretty close to 50% um, in tax rates these days once you layer on your state and local and your net investment income tax. Uh, so uh, again, kind of comparing that, uh, using all of that bonus depreciation and getting you to that very high amount of deductions over time, uh, you know, had a tax benefit of over 4 million compared to 1.2. And where it gets exciting an Opportunity Zone is on the bottom half of this page here. Uh, you know, if I go all the way to the right on the page for the people who are viewing it, no cost seg study, Um, When you sell that building, that $2.7 million of um, accumulated depreciation that you had over time, you have to recapture on sale and pay tax on. Um, You still get a tax benefit of the deductions, but then there's also this tax that you had to pay in. Uh, If you did a cost seg study, you know, the good news is you got more tax benefit up front, but then there's also more recapture on the back end right so you still end up ahead overall but when you layer the two on top of each other you know there's there's still a tax bill due upon sale
1: yeah um, so with with a non-oz you're, you're you're getting the benefit of time value of money and a little bit of tax rate yes. arbitrage too right yep
0: exactly right because you can compare right the tax rates at the top that 45 and a half percent and then when you look to the bottom on sale because 1250 um, under capture 1250 is at a 25 flat 25% rate for federal purposes as opposed to whatever your ordinary tax rate is. Um, so that's what causes that difference in rate differential. Uh, but again, then on the left side of the screen here, and this is what, what we were talking about from the front end today is that in an opportunity zone, when you have that sale, there is no depreciation recapture. So whatever that tax benefit was um, from depreciation over time, that's that's a real permanent savings that will not be reversed or reduced in any way. And so even if you don't do a cost egg study, right, it's still a benefit. In this perfect example, or this particular example, $1.2 million of tax savings that you had in depreciation that you never have to pay back any portion of that. So that's pretty great. But what's even better is the you know $4.2 million that we're showing in this example, um, by accelerating all of those deductions into the early years, um, using a cost seg study, which is it, it just, that's, I mean, when you just look at the comparison between the two and that goes back to, you know, what you were saying at the top end, what this does to your rate of return on an investment in an OZ deal, just looking at these numbers here, it's, it's, it's more than impactful.
1: That's very sizable for sure. <laughs> you can really see the difference that it makes. So those numbers clean of paint a very clear picture there. Uh, I will say though, that, um, this does look like a best case scenario deal to do a cost seg study on. Um, this, is a, this is a great example, but what is this what a typical deal would look like, or what what does a more typical deal look like? and when might you not want to do a cost seg study?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, for in this example, it it is uh, yeah, a very good scenario, absolutely. Um, it's getting a lot of that qualified improvement property really bumping up those appreciation deductions. But, you know, a a good opportunity for a cost seg for me usually is, you know, a $2 million basis at least, right? Anything smaller than that, you kind of start, you know, trying to figure out if it makes sense or not. Anything over $2 million typically is going to make sense. Um, You know, as far as breakout percentages and whatnot of a property, you know, it can vary right from a 10% breakout up to a 40% breakout, let's say, uh, we not not including uh, qualified improvement property type of deals. So if we're looking at an acquired property or a newly constructed property, those are not going to have qualified improvement property as a potential asset. So you know, in those situations, you know, 20% might be an average breakout, let's say you have a million dollar property. So you could end up with a $200,000 uh, breakout depreciation asset accelerated on something like that so um that's something to consider right and, and that's something that you know your your tax uh cpa could help you kind of look at and, and help you figure out what makes the most sense or, or should you be looking at it or you know many providers will provide estimates on the front side too of hey how much do you think you could segregate so that's a, a good time to get somebody else involved
0: And I also think, you know, when you think about the, I guess, the the asset type, right? So this example, we were using a a non-residential building, which not to bore anyone too much, but qualified improvement property, that really only applies in a non-residential building context. Um, And so that's part of the reason too why Jimmy, you were probably like, "Mm, this might not pass the smell test. It's too good to be true. But that's, you know, in in a non residential building, we were able to say that that much could be qualified improvement property. But even with, um, you know, residential, let's say you've got apartments, obviously the life isn't quite as stifling because you get 27 and a half years instead of 39 on the front end, you don't get qualified improvement property. However, just thinking about the sort of assets that are usually inside of an apartment complex when it is rehabbed or, or built by a developer, there are a lot of things that can meet these tests that, you know, Jeremy would be looking at to be treated as shorter lived assets, you know, getting five and seven year property, um, it, it, and it's the same assets, right? Replicated, however many apartment units there are in the building. So the benefit, I think, is there. You know, regardless of the asset type, it's just the um, the bang for the buck, if you will, uh, could could right. differ based on the type of asset.
1: Sure, that makes that makes perfect sense. Well, thanks for being forthcoming with uh, with that and being transparent uh, and and telling us a little bit more. So the two million dollars, a good general rule of thumb. Maybe maybe an asset that that's that's less than $2 million, you might end up paying more for the cost seg study and the the additional yeah. tax. It, it, um, it still prep.
2: could make sense for sure. But it, it's it's worth investigating. Yep.
1: Uh, very good. Well, what about um, the tax code? Are there any changes forthcoming to the tax code that might impact this?
2: Yeah, one one area would be the bonus depreciation? So as I mentioned, 100% bonus is in effect until the end of 22. And then under current legislation, it starts phasing out. So in 23, we're looking at 80%, then 60, 40, 20, and then zero. So that's one consideration of just the timing. That's something that's kind of out of our control, right? Depending on when you buy these deals or invest in these deals. But you know that 100% does start phasing out. So that is something to be aware of that makes the the depreciation number a little bit less kind of going forward.
0: But what I guess I want to touch on with that is that just because when we roll into 2023, we're subject to an 80% bonus instead of 100. Um, As Jeremy mentioned, maybe you have a property that you bought last year, the year before, whatnot, you get to use the bonus depreciation number percentage that was in effect when that property was placed in service. And so even though maybe you don't come and say, hey, I want to do a cost seg until 23, 24, 25, you still get to use 100% bonus if it was an asset that was placed in service in you know a year where there was 100% bonus. So uh, I don't want you to think that if you don't do something this year, the the benefit is right. lost because it most certainly is not.
2: Good point. Okay. Well,
1: that's that's good to know. Uh, well, I think we've we run out of time here today. Uh, really impactful, uh, episode. I think I, I didn't know anything about cost segregation or hardly anything about it an hour ago. So it's great to talk with both you today, Valerie and Jeremy. Thanks so much for joining the show. Um, Valerie, where can our listeners go? if they're interested in learning more about you and the services that you provide at Plant Moran. Sure,
0: um, so you can visit us at plantmoran.com and we do actually have plantmoran.com backslash opportunity zones if you wanna see any of our um, specific contact con- or context on opportunity zones, including um, the article that we did with these examples for cost segregation studies.
1: Uh, perfect, yeah, and I'll make sure we link to that article in the show notes for today's episode and our listeners and viewers out there can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. There I'll make sure we have links to all the resources that Valerie, Jeremy and I discussed on today's episode. And also please be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast listening platform to always get the latest episodes. Valerie, thanks again, It's great uh, chatting with you again. Jeremy, great to meet you and and chatting with you as well. Thanks so much. Thank Thank you.
0: you. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by Opportunity DB. You can access our show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com forward slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.